0: Hello, 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 and welcome to this week's episode of Pilot Light. Uh, My name's David. I'm Sam. And on this midweek bonus show to our imaginary podcast, um, we watch a pilot and then we talk about it in a format change, which we'll see how that goes. Uh, This week we watched uh, 2000, the year 2000, uh, Gilmore Girls, um, a show which I've dabbled in a little bit, and I really enjoy you, but I know that you've watched more.
1: Yes? Y- yeah, yes. Yeah. So, uh, Nicola, my wife, she was... Oh, I she, have
2: a wife. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Nicola, my wife, who I love dearly, she watched uh, watched this show, um, maybe not in 2000, but certainly, like, mid-2000s. And I, in a stupid man, you know, sexist um, uh, trope, thought, oh, that's a show for girls. Oh, uh, that's rubbish. But actually, it's a really, really good show, and I was completely wrong and stupid for doing that. Um, so yeah, I've watched this. I haven't seen all of it, but I've seen like the key moments throughout. You know, often Nick will be watching it, and I'd kind of catch an episode. Um, but I think this is a show we might actually kind of get back into and try and, and try and watch fully because it's it's really damn good, and there's a lot to like here. Um,
0: from... It's a very char- it's a very charming show, and I do mean that in almost every every way I could possibly mean that.
1: Yeah, charming is right. It really is. It's it's a it's a really clever, witty show. It's,
0: it's what if everyone in the world was lovely and nice, and you know, maybe not a great at social situations, but ultimately well meaning. Um, yeah. I think I've watched about twelve hours of this, and and honestly, there isn't like a quote unquote like bad person. <laughs>
1: everyone's so lovely, pretty much. Pretty much. Every everyone's got a liberal arts degree, and. Um, <laughs> Every Everyone is all on the same page. And I, you know what, I think it's, it's... And it's always Christmas, Sam. <laughs> it's always, yeah, near enough Christmas. So should we talk about what this show is in case our esteemed listeners, if they exist, haven't heard of it before?
0: Yes, so I have a, I have a line before we, before we do the plot summary. So the premise this was sold on um, was, um, what if her mother and daughter were more like best friends? Mm. And that's it. That was like the entire... That's the seed that this show was pitched by. before it was conceived or written it was like, okay, here's an idea. What if a mother and daughter are more like best friends and and go?
1: Yeah and that, that's a really good it's a really good um, it's a really good kernel, isn't it The real starting point of that I think really comes from um, from, from that that basis. so I think it, it's
0: really cool when you can boil a show down to like one sentence so had yes. it with um, Seinfeld and like a load of other stuff. Some things you can just really just like, okay, this is the one thing the show's about and everything else is just gravy if, to a certain extent. And it's, I think, a sign of a good show if you can do that. It is. To yeah. a certain extent, maybe.
1: So in, in in Gilmore Girls, which is a drama D, according to um, IMDb, don't like that word, it's uh, centred around <laughs> the relationship between a 30-something single mother and a teen daughter living in Stars Hollow, Connecticut, and the the the, the town and, and Connecticut in general is really a kind of crucial character in this. I think in terms of the, the 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 town that they live in, the people that live there, the feel of it, the kind of country folk um, style that you get from um, this kind of this this place in America. Yeah, and it's it's such it's such an important part. I think of where this show. Really comes from and the feel of it, and um, the the, the showrunner who we'll talk about more in a minute, uh, Amy Sherman Palladino, she actually visited a, a similar t- a similar place in Connecticut, and it's around Hartford and Harvard, and all these places are kind of near nearby. And um, rich white like, folk
0: doing rich white folk things. Yeah, kind of, kind of, <laughs> but, but kind of.
1: I think she described it as like a fairy town, and she wanted to try and recapture the feeling that she went. Um, you know when you go to the diner and everyone knows each other, and you go to the library and there's the, the librarian who's talking to the, who's, who who knows everyone as well.
0: Yeah, and she, this what, show Sam is uh, the the town's the town's called Stars Hollow, Um and it's it's Twin Peaks if there weren't any murderers. You know, it's <laughs> yes. I don't know if that's a show you've watched, but it's exactly the same. It's that real sort of like real small town. There are like two dozen people who live in this town and they all know each other and they're all in and out of each other's lives. But in like a really supportive way, it's kind of odd, and and it's like it's that Americana, isn't it? Of it that that, mm. that really is quite. You can it, this. You're right. This town is absolutely one of the main characters of this show. And
1: it's and it's really comforting in that sense. I think in terms of it, it kind of reminds me of. I often think about you know if you lived in in medieval in 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 the medieval period, you would you know, you wouldn't travel i mean people would literally in their entire lives wouldn't travel further than 20 miles away from where they lived because they'd go to the nearest market town and come back and that would, that would be it in their entire lives and well, so be fair, would... Sam,
0: they might they might be pressed into going to war yes yeah but most Put people jolly wouldn't. to normandy all your yeah. friends die
1: or go, or go on a crusade or something but, but most people would most yeah, people yeah. would stay within 20 miles of where they lived and so you'd know everyone and you'd know everything about everyone you know, they, they wouldn't be that they wouldn't be that Um, anonymity that you get in a city or or even a even a town yeah and i think this this has that real feel of that and and that's quite nice it's quite comforting to have that i think it's a big part of this show is that but you know what it is you do know all the characters and you do reckon you know you can um you can remember them all there isn't like a you know it's it's really the core cast which is quite big but there's a lot to each character and that's why i think it works so well
0: Oh there's a great ensemble not ensemble casting maybe the wrong word, but no, there's a great is, yeah. there's a great cast of quirky townspeople who aren't really like even recurring characters. They're almost just like you know, like Miss Patty and, and um
1: Well let's get into the cast. Let's get into the cast and we can go through some of those at the end. So we've got um Lauren Graham, she plays Lorelai Gilmore, she's the she's the mum and um she... Canonically,
0: by the way, thirty two years old when this starts, which is Almost the age we are. <laughs> what have you? What are you doing with your life? <laughs> I, you should TV ra- I should have gotten pregnant at sixteen, Sam. That's what this show is telling me.
1: Yeah, well, that and that's that's her story, isn't it? Is that she got pregnant when she was very young, and um, the the first kind of the first part of the the, the opening scene of the show is her in the, in the, in the cafe getting hit on by some dude. Who, who then um, Laura like uh, Rory comes in her daughter and they can't he's like oh oh, I can't believe and then he starts trying to hit on the daughter yeah. which is <laughs> who's 16 uh, which is all very very weird and but I think it's that's the kind of um, that's the kind of taboo I suppose of this show and it is too you know it is the year 2000 teen pregnancy is a big thing that everyone's terrified of. So, and this well, really
0: its pre 9 11, Sam. What else have we got to be scared of? Exactly. Yeah.
1: Yeah. There's no exactly. So, the, but this show really does like it really presents that as a, um, in, in a positive way. You know, there isn't, there isn't that taboo of her being a, a teen, um, a teen mom other than from other people. And they're viewed pretty, um, pretty poorly well, because of it.
0: largely it's her like, well, let's not, we'll, we'll talk about his character in turn, but it's largely the mother is like probably the, you know the only person who disparages that, do you know what I mean? That that relationship, that the whole of the stars hollow like people. It's just a fact. It's not like you know, oh, your daughter's very young. How you know? It's never really addressed. The only person who sort of brings brings it up all the time is Lorelai's mother.
1: Yeah, yeah, which we'll, we'll come to. So Lauren Graham was pursued um, by by the the, the crew um, by the producers from the start. I think that's the person that they wanted. And there was some concerns that she wouldn't be able to do it because she's on another show. And I think um I think they did a really they they obviously knew that what they were going for and they knew the actor who the actress who could who could do it and I think they did a great job. I think yeah. she's absolutely brilliant in this. She's so good. And and as um as 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 that main character, she has so much work to do. So well, much work to do to, to she keep does. this so, show moving.
0: I read something about what they wanted from the Lorelai character is they wanted a woman who was you know, attractive without being intimidating and strong without being scary and, you know, vulnerable without being uh, damaged. And it's like a really... They wanted something very specific for this. I think Lauren Lauren Graham really, like, grasps that, you know, I'm 30 years old and and I know that being, thir- being in your 30s does not make you a grown-up. And, like, that's really captured really well. And it's funny watching this now, Whereas in maybe if I'd watched it fifteen years ago, I would probably you know um, sympathize empathize more with Rory. But watching it now, I'm like, yeah, being in your thirties is the worst. <laughs> like, yeah. I drink ten cups of coffee a day. I struggle with life decisions, you know. And I think they you tread that argue line really, yours, really well. You argue with your sixteen year old daughter. <laughs> yeah, but she's imaginary <laughs> as well, just like the podcast. So it's fine. <laughs>
1: So on the daughter, so yeah, Lauren Graham, great job, and and I really like, I really love her performance, in this, and I it's fantastic. And through yeah. the whole series, you know, the daughter, um, played by Alexis Bedell, Badell. Badell. Alexis Badell, Let's go with that. She so she plays uh, Rory, and again, uh, you know, has an awful lot of work to do. And what's very interesting is that she hadn't acted before. Yeah um and so i think i think what they were going for they wanted someone who kind of looked apart and also had that that kind of shyness and that innocence which i think is is certainly a factor in the first few episodes in the first season of this show where the character is much more um much more kind of quiet than, than she later becomes but but. Rory is again is is interesting. She's kind of she's aged up a bit in terms of maybe her intellect. And she she's sixteen, but she's a very very clever sixteen year old. She kind of has the same, um, uh, she's maybe at the same kind of intellect level uh, as a mom, and they share a lot of similar interests. And oftentimes that
0: that she's goes very much. Ma- she's very mature for her yeah. age. Yeah, and, and just one thing actually. Props for to the studio for casting a teenager to play this teenager. Especially when, do you know what I mean? I think that's a really important thing that they obviously wanted Lauren Graham, who, and this is this is interesting. There's only about ten years between these actors, um, something like that, ten or eleven years. It's a lot less than you think, Uh, but they wanted Lauren Graham, and I think if they had cast like a a typically American sitcom you know, person to play um, play the Rory character, that, that actor would have been in, you know, their mid-twenties and it would have been like, <laughs> do you know what I mean? It would have been very jarring. And,
1: and, and someone more experienced, I think, that lack of experience really makes really well, makes it, this character... Maybe,
0: maybe lends itself to that shyness and that like trepidation in her, yeah. you know, just to the way she is. And, and being 16, you know, and not that, being being,
1: that being a really difficult time. There's one little fact that I liked, which is that throughout the first episode and I think maybe into the first scene as well, there's lots of um, Lorelai holding, kind of putting her arm around Rory um, or being very, very close to her and apparently that's because she was pointing her in the right direction to where the cameras were or moving <laughs> her into into the um, you know, into the right position because she was so inexperienced about how to do that's this That's so incredibly
0: that thing.
1: wholesome. I know, it's, just, it's lovely isn't it? Yeah, it's great.
0: <laughs> it's like, oh it she just turns her in, and And the core of the show, really, I say really, the absolute core of the show is the relationship between these two characters. Um, And we get a lot of screen time for other characters, and I really love the rest of them. But before we move on, I just want to really stress that that it's the interplay between this mother and daughter. You know, every episode is, is really, it's, you know, conflict between the two of them or outside conflict that the two of them are solving together is always the stab of an episode.
1: Yeah. And in a world where, you know, we, we, we have the end of an episode, the Bechdel test, which, of course, this passes. But so often we, we barely get two female characters or female identifying characters speaking to each other, never mind building an entire show around that kind of mother daughter relationship. But at the same time, I think they also wanted to make a show that was I think they, they spoke about appealing to um, to, to the teenager, but also not what not having the grown up yawn you know and thinking oh what what crap is this because i think it it does such a great job of uh, a great job of um like fairly representing both sides and i and i've watched this as a you know early 20s uh in my early 20s and then becoming a dad you 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 kind of you kind of like reinterpret it a little bit and i'm so much more with like no, you're not doing that, you know. She she, she says, "I don't want to go. To, I don't want to go to this fancy school that uh, she's worked really hard to get to because there's a boy." And and at one point she says, "Well, you just are, and that's the way it is." And that and, and that just like rings true to me in terms of sometimes you just kids are stupid and they need to be told what to do. <laughs> and and there's and there's so much of that like positive relationship between them both, which I think is just you know it's nice to have it on TV. It's nice to see that, and for it not to be about constant conflict. Do you know there's a positivity to this, which I think is really um, is really Yeah, good. these
0: these two characters are rarely adversarial, but you sometimes get that, you know, teenagers are dickheads. We've all been teenagers. Yeah. And teenagers, if there are any teenagers listening, go and apologise to your parents now, because you've definitely <laughs> done something, all right? But, you know, teenagers are arseholes, and I think it's very difficult to deal with that, and you get stressed out, and, you know, and I can... And there's, there's a lot of scenes in, especially later in the series, the ten episodes or so that I've seen, Especially, there's a lot of like, you know, Laura I really wants to be Rory's friend, but then occasionally she's forced to be the mum, and that's like a real. Neither of them are quite comfortable with it, but it, you know they both recognise the need for that boundary. You know, yeah, and, and that's it's an, I think and that's played quite well.
1: Yeah, that's an important point. Is you know, as not let's not make this the dad cast, but you can't be your kids' friends all the time. Like you can be fun, and you can, but sometimes you need to. You need to tell them, tell them off, and, and be the bad yeah. guy. And I think this show does a really good job of of ex, you know expressing that. So, um, so in terms, um, of... I other, know we've started on.
0: talking about the cast, Sam. But did you read the plot for this episode out? Um, no, I don't think I did actually. But do it, you want to read it now, just briefly, just because like it's I think it's important when we talk about the other characters.
1: Yeah, I mean, I don't have it up. But I think generally we we're we're, we're so kind of seeing the. Oh, go on, go on.
0: I can go. So basically, uh, it's established that Rory and Lorelai. Uh, Rory's applied to go to a big private school. Uh, they have entrance exams. She passes, uh, and then Lorelai, who manages a hotel, as her day job. Um, it's then about her trying to uh, get the money to pay for the deposit for um, Rory to go to this big posh, fancy private school, and it's about Rory. Meets a boy and then decides she doesn't want to go to this pirate's private school because she's met this boy, and that's kind of like the conflict which is resolved by the end of it.
1: Yeah, and, the, as, and the, as I
0: talked talked about before, there's usually a central conflict that you know there's a little bit of friction between these two, but mostly they're kind of united in that mm-hmm. you know.
1: And so, as you say, um, Lorelei needs to find the money, and that kind of brings us to the next couple of characters, which are really important to the the pilot, which is
0: Are you, are you an adult? Do you have money problems? Have you asked your parents? <laughs> that never really worked for me, I have to say. Um, not having parents who lived in a massive old money mansion. <laughs> My daddy's sure me to borrow
1: money. <laughs> <laughs> so we've got um mum, um Emily, who is played by Kelly Bishop. And and I think she was she was picked fairly early on in terms of here's a character who just an actor who just absolutely understands the character
0: she and is the mvp of this series for me she, every second she's on the screen is the best of bits of the episode
1: yeah she's not quite up to speed and generally this pilot is is maybe and we'll get to this is maybe kind of is is you know four-fifths of the way there in terms of the rest of the show but still she she is brilliant she complete. she's got that same acerbic wit she's got that same ability to just completely um cut down whatever someone's saying with with a with a glance almost and it's very much like that old fashioned um, Catherine Hepburn yeah kind it's, of style it's
0: another example of like a really good commentary on how boomers be um, <laughs> of my grandparents, one of my one of my grandmas is very like this. Is very has never once asked me something she tells me things because she mm. knows best and this the Emily character um, played by Kelly Bishop is exactly that she it, it, it's and I do think that's generational I don't think that my parents will be like that when they're grandparents you know what I mean it's I think it's generational I think it's that like when I was a kid the, the adults knew best and when I was a grown-up that my elders knew best so that's how things are you know I know best you'll listen to me regardless of what you think because I'm your mother or i'm your grandmother or i'm your wife do you know what i mean it's and this character is is very much needs to be in control and and she sort of sticks a roaring quite a lot and and but it's all from that foundation of you know i know best and you don't
1: yeah yeah and and there's a there's a great again going back to the kind of mother daughter thing it goes up the way as well with laura Lai and emily being really quite um you know, they, they they have some serious disagreements and there was issues around when Lorelei got pregnant and, and, and all this is very real stuff. It, it always feels very grounded and very much like it's you you can see why they haven't spoken. They don't speak until Lorelai comes and asks for money to pay for Rory's school. They, they haven't spoken in a long time and Lorelai, Rory isn't a big part of their life. And Emily I think, very, I
0: think they say that they go round for Christmas and that's it, you know? Yeah. Like I mean, bank holidays and nothing else.
1: Yeah, they kind of yeah. It's nice. I think she said it's nice to it's nice to write a check when the banks are open or something like that. Yeah, it's nice. Um, It's
0: nice for you to be here on a day where the banks are open. Yeah, that's it. Yeah,
1: and so I think there's there's a really good interplay, and so you you see the positive relationship between Rory and Lorelai, but you also see the negative relationship, you know, with with the with Emily. So yeah, and um, it outlines
0: quite well. Like 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 I said, there's no bad characters in this. The Emily character is. But what's established, and even in this episode, is that, that her and Lorelai just don't communicate well. And yes. like we are told, and we know straight away that that is the problem. That if they could somehow like mind meld, vocal mind meld, everything would be fine. But they just don't have the tools to communicate. It always properly. comes
1: back to Star Trek with you, doesn't it, Dave? God damn it! Can we Listen, get we, Sam, can we get through one episode without you having some Star Trek reference? I'll absolute... pay you ten pounds
0: to do that. <laughs> you won't, you liar. <laughs>
1: The other character is um is uh, played by Edward Herman,
0: is uh Lorelei's dad, Richard. Patron saint of uh, the Imaginary Movie Podcast. I think Edward we Herman.
1: so before when when we were terrible or before, when we were more terrible than this, we recorded if an episode you can imagine. <laughs> can you imagine, listener? We recorded an episode of Richie Rich, which I don't think I think for some audio problem didn't work. I think we out. lost
0: I think we lost the audio for that one, yeah. Thank
1: God I eh? But we did. Uh, we loved Richard Herman, who plays the dad, also called Richard, in <laughs> in that in that film.
0: Um, I think he's we... a really good like paternal, like he's a really good like absent-minded dad character. Like in this, he's basically reading the paper. Is all his script said, you know? Yeah. Richard, yeah. you sit over there. Ed, oh, sorry, Edward, you sit over there. Read the paper. Look over your glasses occasionally, Harumphed every now and again. Yeah, yeah. exactly, exactly. But and the, it, it's the, played to a perfection
1: here they don't really use him much in this he's kind of there as 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 you know i think he literally falls asleep at one point in the middle of the <laughs> yeah. dinner table but i think throughout the rest of the show he becomes a really really warm character and he's he's that typical kind of does what his wife says but also has his own view and and maybe you know has a, a slightly better relationship with with lorelei because there isn't that mother-daughter animosity there they don't have much. that
0: they don't have that baggage because i think emily's there to to be the bad guy. He's never had to be the bad guy. And I think maybe yeah. that allows them to have a closer relationship. Yeah. And he has a really nice relationship with Rory as well. I think there's a later episode where um, he basically gets like harangued into taking Rory to the golf club. And, and they have like a really like lovely day together. And then they, they sort of bond and, and that comes back a couple of times, like a really nice way. Like they're not spending every moment together, but you have that real like, Oh, well, you know, he realizes that his granddaughter's a person and that he likes her, you know, that's yeah. nice yeah it
1: is it is and i think again how many shows have we watched that have a a, a grandfather granddaughter relationship as part of the core tenets of the show very very few you know i think this does, again it does something very different and does something that's fresh and and things that you don't usually see on tv and it's nice to see that the other thing about these two characters is they are exceedingly and stinking rich like it's insane it's insane how how wealthy they are and We're talking
0: Scrooge McDuck levels, you know. It's
1: old money, isn't it? Even uh, we we noticed the candelabras they've got in the in the dining room, um, which are just the most ostentatious, like gaudy things you've ever seen. But that's
0: well, there's there's loads of jokes about how Emily doesn't cook, and um, you know they have a staff, and later on someone says to Emily when they were eating dinner, she says, "Oh, the food's lovely," and she goes, "Oh, I'll have to tell my chef." In a yeah. totally like nonchalant, like off the cuff sort of way, it's kind of mad. Yeah, yeah. So uh, again, that's maybe an aspect that I
1: can't particularly relate to, but I, I, I do still I like them as characters. Um, so we've got we've got Lane Kim, who's played by uh, Kiko Gina and she apparently was twenty seven years old when this part
0: of was shot. That's which- three years younger than me. She looks great.
1: <laughs> which she's playing 16 which is absolutely And she's amazing. doing a
0: really good job of it. Yeah, she's really good. She
1: she plays a really good like silly 16 year old uh, and is kind of is Rory's um kind of the, the person she she speaks to the most um as a kind of a friend. We've also got um Luke who is fairly limited in this episode but becomes one of the bigger mm-hmm.
0: Well, there's a reason for that, if you want me to get into just a bit of trivia do, here, yeah. briefly. So uh, Luke is portrayed by an actor called Scott Patterson. And when they initially pitched this, so um, just a bit of sausage making here. Uh, this is the second pilot, which we, we talked before is quite often the case. So mm. there was an original unaired pilot, which was shown to the studio executives. And then after that, there was a little bit of recasting and a few other changes. And then this is the, the actual pilot that, went, that the audiences saw. Um, so Luke is portrayed by an actor called Scott Patterson and um, initially that character was supposed to be a woman Um, but the studio basically said um, listen uh, there's one dude in this show and it's the grandpa can we have a man here which I think is actually like a fair comment this is a really like female dominated show, not that's a bad thing but I think the Luke character is really important but the writers didn't agree so um, Scott Patterson actually wasn't a main cast member in the pilot he was kind of like a guest star and then it was basically a test to see what his chemistry was like with the the principal actors and how he tested with the audiences and if it had been poor either one I think that would have been it for this character but obviously it, it worked so they kept him and he becomes a much more central character as we go along, um, yeah, that's
1: really interesting, isn't it? Because he he is he is very un, um he is very underutilized in this, and he you know he serves coffee and, and and kind of has a few lines, but really, yeah, you don't really see what he'll become, which is the main kind of love interest of Lorelai, and a lot of tension comes uh, between those two characters in terms of them, you know, will they, won't they, and they try and they try and kind of drag that on. Um, quite a lot so there's there's lots of there's lots of stuff to come but we don't really see it here
0: from from him but I I like this character and and, um, even in the pilot I really like how he runs his business yet he only in this town can he run a business like this he is rude he is obstinate um, he tells off all of his customers he's constantly arguing with the mayor it's great I love it everything about it he's so surly and rude
1: and and apparently um, Lauren Graham and Scott Patterson didn't really get along according to according to a few um things that i've read so and that that tension and that kind of i guess that helps help to to kind of create the chemistry that we we see later on um and I, I often like that you know you don't necessarily like everyone that you work with but as long as you can kind of get the job done that's okay and we don't we don't need to have every show you know this big like at a band of band of brothers style thing where everyone's all looking at each other and and i think it doesn't that's fine. So I think you see the you see that benefit of sometimes it's okay if the cast to kind of not really get along that much. as Well, these the... these
0: guys are all professionals, and yeah. you know they're um they're all doing a job. Interestingly, before we move on, uh, I was surprised to see that Scott Patterson was a professional baseball player for seven years.
1: You know, he looks like a baseball player. I don't know yeah, what it is. I can um, imagine him mm-hmm, with the hat. It's,
0: it's the cap. He's always wearing it's that cap. cap. Yeah. Um, but he. He played in the minor leagues, um, but but at the highest level of the minor leagues, where you're like on the cusp of being in the major leagues. None of this makes any sense to me, but I just want to highlight how stupid American sports are. Yeah, <laughs> I guess, I guess. Is it a bit b- like being in the sort of semi-professional leagues in football over here, but being at the very top of the semi-professional leagues?
1: I guess so, yeah. They don't have relegation or
0: promotion, do they? So uh, you kind of need a structure to get in there. Yeah, um,
1: tell us, listeners, tell us why American sports are better than yeah.
0: Tweet at us at um, Imaginary Pod
1: on Twitter. Yeah, there we go. So let's just—we're still on the cast, which is uh, I could speak about the cast all day, but really, well, I think there's
0: only really one other person we need to talk about. There is, say.
1: and that is Suki St. James, who plays the chef that works with Lorelai Light in the um, in the inn, played by Melissa McCarthy, and. I've got to know you got Trevor in this but I'll just talk about Melissa McCarthy a second. She, she obviously has turned into a a rather big movie star has, she's
0: one of the highest paid actors in Hollywood
1: yeah she's absolutely she's absolutely brilliant and is in quite a lot of stuff and I always really really like her in most things I see her and think she does a good job um she's been in a few films like it was one where she played she played this angry cop alongside Sandra Brewer, which is pretty shite.
0: Yeah, there was spy where she's a spy opposite. Yes, and it's like mm, it's a bit it's a bit broad maybe, but you know what, I think she's she's I mean, pretty good. She's a she's a larger woman and and my only issue with some of the stuff she does is like I could I could do without that being the central character trait, you know? Yeah. Right, yeah. like, and and maybe that's something that, and, and obviously, you know, she's had a really successful career, and I, I don't think she's a one dimensional actor, but I think that, especially early in her career, and this isn't like that, an example of that, but early in her career, I, I think there's a lot more like, oh, it's a fat woman, isn't that funny? Um, but this isn't that. They, they, you know, in this, she admittedly is quite clumsy and, and ditzy, but it's never, you know, the, 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 there are no fat jokes here, which is nice. It's quite mm. like, again, it's quite a kind, pleasant, nice show.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And she nearly didn't get the job. It was um,
0: initially, I think. Yes, you're about to snipe my trivia. No, go for it. <laughs> um, so, initially, uh, they wanted Alex Borstein for this role. Um, now, Alex Borstein, if you've watched this pilot and exist, there are two things you, you would specifically know her from. So, in this pilot, Alex Borstein portrays the harpist um, that we see briefly. She argues with um, the French concierge. In the hotel, um, and but more famously, Alex Borstein is the voice of Lois Griffin from Family Guy. Um, so, like a big name, uh, and she was in the like I mentioned before, she was in the unaired pilot as uh, the Suki character. But she had a contract with Mad TV that basically meant that she wouldn't it, it, it disallowed her from being on like a you know a, a season long sitcom like this. Um, so she what and she couldn't get out of it. So. She couldn't do the role, so that's why they shot the second pilot, the one we've we've watched, uh, with Melissa McCarthy. Um, but I think that Alex Borstein is a very different actor than Melissa McCarthy, and I can't help but think, like, what a different tone she would have brought to the role.
1: Yeah, yeah, she's. I mean, she's a bit coarse in this, isn't she? In a character is sorry and. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I'd like. It'd be interesting to see that pilot and see see how it compares. Um, I think
0: an Alex Borstein Suki would just be a little bit more sarcastic and a little bit more cutting, I think, than than Melissa McCarthy's portrayal.
1: Yeah, possibly, possibly. So let's let's segue seamlessly. So we've got Alex Borstein, and she obviously was Lois and Family guy, and the showrunner, um, the, the the creator of this show, was Amy Sherman Palladino who in, in in real life is married to um, Dan Palladino, who was a producer on Family Guy, who later joined as an executive producer on this. And I think the core of the show, the real where this show comes from, is Amy Sherman Palladino. And it's it's her vision, it's her writing, it's her jokes, and it's her sentiment that I think just completely makes this show. And I think there's, there's so much of it. And often, often TV shows come from a kind of a writer's room and they come from a, a broader collaboration. It's not to say that this show doesn't, but a lot of the times you have that author, you have that individual who has a vision for the show, has a vision for the cast, for the set, for the script, for the music, all of that and brings it together. And I think she does an amazing job throughout this um, series of, of really creating a universe and creating a world for these characters to exist in. And, and kind of almost letting them just go on and do what they were going to do anyway. Um, so I think we huge props to her, and and I think it's I, I think without her you wouldn't have a show like this on on TV, and, and you wouldn't have these this depth of character or these relationships that we yeah. see throughout Gilmore Girls. And this and, pilot does a great job of just kicking us off and slotting right into the rest of the show.
0: And it's um, it's funny really. I'm sure. I'm probably stealing trivia from you again, um, but it's really dialogue-heavy. Gilmore Girls, and and even this pilot episode, like there's rarely a scene where you're watching someone do something. You are watching people have conversations. That's kind of like its its whole point is, you know, everything is it's really like fast, 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 and like concisely delivered lines, usually between Rory and, and Lorelai or, or you know other characters, and and um, you don't really notice it when you're watching it. When you finish it, it just. You know, there's no set pieces. You're not watching people sneak around and get up to hijinks. You're not watching people like stare off into the distance and look emotional. You're watching. You know, it just and it just feels that much more real because of it. Yeah. Well, actually, to
1: that point, there's, um, I think most shows are about a minute of dialogue is one page. So you get, you know, maybe a minute and a half. Um, uh, you between fifty-five and sixty minutes for, for you know for an average script. This was eighty pages.
0: Well, I think that sorry, was the average. I think 55 that was sixty average. Pages.
1: Yeah, per for, for for a usual script. And this is eighty. This is eighty pages. Um, and, and, I think- and I
0: think that's the average for the for the series as well. I think that that eighty is about what most of the episodes clock yeah, in at, yeah. yeah, which and is so they- like twenty five pages more <laughs> than you know something else of the same length, which is insane which is amazing
1: and, and so much of that is about the, the the fast talking dialogue and that's a that's a kind of key part of this show. It's a real it's really um, it's a real hallmark of, of what Gilmore girls did and not only is do the, the actors have to really deal with this and, and there's talk of sometimes taking up to 30 to 40 takes to get a line right because there's there's all this work to do. Um, they also use lots of what's called master shots, where it's like a, a kind of single continuous shot or um, dialogue that does shots that don't move. So it all has to be done in one take. And there's a good example in this, in this where the, um, they're in a kitchen and they use a kind of a shot that goes all the way around the kitchen with the actors kind of having to duck out the way of pans and they're moving stuff around all over the place. It's all very dynamic and quick. And you can imagine that'd be really, really hard if one of you gets your line wrong in a very, very fast talking show. Um well there you go, you'd have to do it again. And I think there's talk of it being like, Well, this is, you know, fourteen to twenty hour days sometimes because they had so much to get through. And if you make a mistake or someone gets tired, well there you go. You have to I think specify, yeah, and it was you
0: know. and what what did I read about sort of eight eight to ten days of filming for each episode. Um so that's like you know that's a good chunk of work um especially for an american season which you know is quite long generally um you know that's that's a mad amount of work and then they really pull it off and 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 it's quite seamless this i think it's such a difficult job to ask your actors to do to deliver these lines so snappily and and then also still act as Mm. well um and it's a real achievement of you know, especially especially um, Lauren Graham and um, Alex, Alexis. Uh, do we say bloodell Was it what it was? Bladell. Um, yeah. uh, and and they just you know they're bouncing these lines off each other, and you're thinking to say that and to fa- facially express and and they can't shoot these individually, and they can't you know it's not like voice work. They can't just do it over and over again. They have to do the whole thing. You know. Um, and as a professional, I mean, I've, I've worked on a film set. I can tell you, there's nothing more tedious than resetting for another take. Um, nice humble brag. Nice humble brag. Yes, I was. Uh, I was an extra in a in a secret project.
1: No, anyway, no, tell them, tell people what it is, and then and then they can <laughs> well, go through and try and find it. Well, imaginary are I'm sure listeners
0: who don't know what it looked like. Um, <laughs> if you watch the film Tolkien, and I wouldn't recommend it because it's not very good, um, you might recognise me if you know what I look like. So that's all I'm giving you there. It's like where's Wally, but the shittiest version possible.
1: <laughs> oh dear, that would be that's good fun for somebody. So, so yeah, so we uh, Amy Sherman, and she actually um, after this, I think after six seasons through a kind of, you know, botched negotiation where she was working too much and wanted to hire more writers and they said no and she ended up leaving the show and, and was replaced for the for the last the last season or so um, which is a bit of a shame. It's a bit of a sour mark on on what is such a warm, nice show then to have, you know, something like that end it but, you know, I, I think obviously in terms of where we are now looking at this as, as, as that pilot episode you really see how you really see the future. You really see, as someone who's watched much more, a lot more of this show, how they've crystallised what this show is about so well in the pilot. And there, there are a few ragged edges. You know, the dialogue isn't quite as snappy. There's a there's a lot more. There's it feels like there's more pauses and, the, and, and there's less moving around. And and maybe some of the characters, like like Emily and, and maybe like Richard, aren't quite as developed. But you know. It's a it's a forty five minute show. They've got a lot to do, and yeah. they really need to get through and um, and demonstrate that relationship between Lorelai and Rory, and that's the core of the show. And I think mean, they spend a lot well, of time think, getting to that point.
0: As we've mentioned before, I think especially with a pilot episode, and like you said, a lot of this still develops further on. It must be like really tricky if you're, and especially with Lorelai. Um, Lauren Graham just coming off a TV show that had, uh, you know, had its season burned off in the summer and being cancelled. Like, why put, why make the, why labour over the pilot and make it a piece of art when you can make it good and then there's still a better than even chance it'll get cancelled, you know? So I feel like that's maybe goes some way to explaining why this isn't quite perfect. And if they'd, if they'd had an order for, you know, today, for instance, with Netflix, if they have an order for, you know, four seasons worth of episodes. They might spend a little bit more time making it absolutely right, as opposed to, you know, this, which is, like you said, there are a few rough edges, and maybe there are a couple of characters that aren't quite where they become even in the next episode and the one after that. Um, and maybe that's because of that, just sort of tentativeness about the, the you know, the network TV system.
1: Hmm. And it's right in the middle of that, isn't it? It's right in the middle of that in terms of. I think. I think. She. I think. Um. I mean, Palladino uh, uh, said that she would kind of deliver scripts very, very late, you know, right up until the shooting um, date because she didn't want to get any interference, and she wanted to to create a show that was, you know, I think maybe some of the studios didn't really get a lot of the jokes or or would or would question, you know, are we really going to make a joke about this obscure literary figure? Um, yeah,
0: um, and, and who's this for? <laughs>
1: yeah I think so, but 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 it becomes it becomes a real core cool, of the show and again, it's nice to have stuff that isn't talking down to the audience all the time that you know we've we've watched we've watched Joey for this show, we've watched two broke girls. The, the, we were, how I met your mother. all of this is not trying to it's not trying to kind of teach the the audience anything or it's not trying it's trying to kind of speak down in a way that I don't think is very necessary as much. I think
0: as, it it has faith in its audience to either find it funny or they don't. And I think even if you didn't maybe pick up on a lot of the jokes, because they are just delivered usually in a bulk of dialogue, then you kind of just have to get it right there or it's gone. Um, and I think you could still enjoy it, even if you missed the majority of those. I think there's still like a really good drama here underneath, you know, and, and the com- like I said, the comedy is more these characters making funny references than these characters doing funny things or being particularly funny in a, in the best way possible. Um, I think this is much more on the drama side of of dramedy, which is a word I don't like either, so we should stop using.
1: Yeah, but but interestingly, and, and they've spoken about this about making, um, making the big things small and the small things big. I think is how they described it, and that's I, I like that about a show because often you can get too drawn into you know a big screaming fight between two people and and, and make the whole thing very dramatic and actually what this showed uh, about is it's about not it's about real life it's about normal life it's about going to school and it's about going to work it's about trying to make ends meet and it doesn't really and there there is big drama in this but it's all
0: through the lens of but it's quite well a observed town. drama. Yeah. Like, um, for instance, an episode I just watched. Um, I think last night was. Uh, Rory spends the night with her boyfriend. They don't have sex or anything, but they are out all night. And and Lorelai goes absolutely mad. So she falls out with Rory, but she also falls out with her mother over the whole thing. It's a bit mad, and and in the next episode, they're all just still really angry with each other. They haven't had a massive, massive like screaming match at each other and then resolved it for the end of the episode good night folks you know that that resentment is still there to be sort of like picked apart over the course of a couple of episodes which is a real like true to life no one likes confrontation you know people don't yeah. like a shouting match never sold anything and i think this is a much more like this is how Cause... this is how families like deal with a problem and get past it much yeah. more than screaming and then it's hugging and it's all fine
1: there's a nice there's a nice quote to, to back you up entirely which says and Gilmore goes it's Gilmore goes, it's not the explosion, it's the fallout. And that is that is perfectly describes that, that thing you're talking about in terms of yeah, it's not just about what happens in the moment and the drama. It's about those the, the the characters brooding at each other and it's about having to deal with the awkward situations because of what's happened, all this stuff. And and again, that's very realistic. People have arguments all the time and you can apologise and say, Sorry, I should have said that. However, that resentment or that kind of underlying <laughs> yeah, but feeling. but you
0: know you're not really sorry, and they know you're not really sorry. Yes, and that's the bit that ends that's, up causing yeah. problems, you know. So and I that's think... what this show portrays really well is, but without telling you directly, you know.
1: Yes, yes. Like and, characters,
0: and... Can, like Rory and Laura, like can be angry with each other, and they both know they're both being they're being a bit irrational, but they both you know want to win almost, and it's like, it, again, it's just this really good commentary on. How people with relation you know in you know a personal relationship with somebody like get past stuff like that
1: mm-hmm. have you watched um I suppose you probably haven't that there was a Netflix
0: revival um, I have not, but I was going to mention it because um I didn't actually bother looking uh say bother looking uh, to see whether um it was uh, written by the the same the showrunner the original showrunner uh,
1: yeah I think it was, it was yeah produced and-
0: by Netflix.
1: Yes, so it was It was written by her, and um, I've not watched all of it. I think Nicola was unimpressed by it. She said it was, like, well, kind of a bit unnecessary, and the characters had gone places that didn't feel particularly realistic or didn't feel right. Um, so, you know, we'll leave you, listeners, to judge if you've watched it at all, but I kind of, yeah, sometimes, obviously, with its, its cancellation and... Um, the issues with, with, with probably, you know, getting kicked off the show it's a shame when that happens but you know sometimes just let things kind of be but you know I, I that's never going okay to happen
0: Sam we, we live in the era of things being brought back I mean just off the top of my head Veronica Mars is a great example of mm. a show that was cancelled then it got a film and now it's getting, it's had a series and now it's, there's talk of a new one as well and and that's fine um, and the X-Files is the, it's the same actually like that's another like 90s show that Got cancelled, had a film and two new seasons like in the last decade, and and I think that's just a you know especially for Gilmore Girls like the cast is still for the majority of this cast this is the biggest thing they ever did, um, and yeah. they, you know obviously like if you're on a TV show for six seasons, you know you've probably hit syndication and and you're making enough money to not have to be out there like slinging your work around anymore, um, so I think we quite often see like you know. Someone spends six years on a hit sitcom and then they never act again because they're just at home counting their money, which is fine. Um, we'll go into
1: conventions. This is one of the ones that's got a real cult following, and and you know, like early early internet and really getting into into that the that that, that kind of fandom, which we saw turning turning on in in the early two thousands and before. But really, it kind of really started then, didn't it? In terms of people coming together yeah. online to talk about shows and and then well, and then. Not as with, any, as with
0: anything, Sam, the the, the, the the beginning of that was The Simpsons, um, probably, you know, five yeah. or six years earlier than this. I mean, it's, it's kind of a period piece, almost, watching this, um, in a sort of similar way to Veronica Mars, where um, Lorelei has a mobile, um, and it's one of those... Uh, it looks like a house phone. It's got like a little aerial sticking out the top. <laughs> and uh, I remember these. I remember my parents having them in at, at the time, And, like, you're watching it thinking, God, those look awful. And they don't, you know, all they do is make phone calls. Like, how do I update my Instagram followers? What's happening here? You know? (laughs) And it's this real sort of, like, I love a TV series. I love a TV series that just takes place in a time where people aren't online. Not that I think the internet's a bad thing, but I think that, like, thematically from a storytelling point of view, it's really nice to not have to explain away, you know, like, oh, why can't she get in touch with her daughter like because nowadays you know everyone is tethered to their phone yeah. all the time and on the world wide. World. Do you know what I mean? And and, and it's, it's nice, nice to not have have to surmount that hill like a lot of shows do where oh they have to have a scene where they leave their mobile somewhere or where they point out it hasn't got any battery or oh they're in a cell area where they don't get a signal. It's like you know and there's none of that in this and I think yeah. that it it's just nice leads to more organic decision making. Yeah, it's nice. It's
1: nice to have. Yeah, a period piece is right and it really. It reflects that that Christ. That, this know. show's twenty years old now. So. I know. Well, it reflects that maybe slightly more innocent time before, um, you know, before the world went truly to shit. So this is this is a I think you know this is a, this is a good show. I think we're coming to isn't it? And and, and I, I really, I really like a show that has such heart and such character and such wit and manages to bring it together in a way that's really entertaining to watch and and you know and also a show about a show about women and a show about their relationships and how, you know, shot through the lens of of this is not just, like, another guy show. And it's nice to be... It's nice to not watch that sometimes, you know. You get kind of tired of, of that constant thing of, you know... Yeah, this, is, and, this um, is
0: an important, like, one of your five types of TV a day, you know. Um, everyone should watch five hours of TV a day. But um, <laughs> it's, 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 it really is, like, a, it's like a... It's like a palate cleanser where, you know, when you go from watching something, like I said, much more male dominated and a bit more testosterone filled and action packed. And, and this is just really pleasant and it's really clever and well written and, and all of these characterizations are really good. And it, like, it's, it's nice to have a female led show that isn't like, oh, my vagina, because there is a lot of that on TV. Generally, um, two broke girls being a big example of a show about. You know where women are constantly referencing their primary sexual char- characteristics constantly, whereas this is just a show about people who happen, you know what I mean? Who happen to women, yeah. Um, and it's kind of like a much more true representation of actual life, I think.
1: Mm-hmm. So there we go. That's Gilmore Girls. I'm. I think. i I think that's a recommend. If yeah, generally, yeah, if you haven't, if you, haven't, if you haven't
0: seen it, it's really good. Obviously, it passes the battle test, uh, inside out and backwards. Um, you know, like we said, there are very, very few male characters in this. I think in the pilot there are three or four named men, um, and almost none of them interact with each other.
1: <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, reverse Bechtel test. Reverse <gasps> Bechtel test. Wow, it doesn't it doesn't pass. Well done, that's good. I like that. Yeah. I like that. Yes, yeah. Nice. yeah. Nice. Right, Dave, that was fun and I'm gonna go carry on watching Gilmore Girls because this is a really good show. So... I was
0: literally watching it before we came on, so uh... <laughs> apologies for running a bit long this week that's um, all good. but before we go um, just as usual uh, if you've got any comments or if again you do exist please reach out um, on twitter at imaginary pod or yeah. I believe you can also leave a comment on anchor if that's where you listen I think so
1: I think so get in touch and you know we're not good at this us. please help us <laughs> please let us stop just
0: tell <laughs> us the rubbish <laughs> and we'll stop uh, We won't. <laughs> thanks Dave thanks Sam